You're listening to DraftKings Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We are presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code DAN for a special offer when you sign up. That's code DAN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. That was impressive by you, Tony. I also had uh, Brujeria when we were talking about those two. Those are two Miami classic songs. Yeah, I put that one on back to back. I just, everyone's dancing. Absolute banger. You want to get people dancing at the Flannies Westchester with touch tunes. I'm going on vacation. Yeah, I saw that. For a long time. Yeah, I saw that. And Didn't you just have your honeymoon? <laughs> yes, I did, actually, funny enough. He brought COVID back. Yeah, I was That's the right. original. You were patient. Patient zero. Wait, so you're telling me you are zero right now hour. in the day before vacation? Yeah. It's a top day. It is oh. a top day. We're ranking just days. The day before vacation. Like, how are you feeling right now? Like, I'm feeling better. good. No, no, I'm feeling good. And this was my question to post to all of you guys. The day before the vacation, you got a lot of things to do. Right, you gotta pack. You gotta go here. Your well, wife's you're gone tell- for a month. Yeah, yeah. You got a lot to pack. You got a lot of pack, right? Hawaii. Is this a Thailand? You going to Hawaii? Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii is very nice. It is. Yeah. Second gotta, time I'm going. But how long are you gone? Two weeks. Sixteen days. That's well. Sixteen days is not two weeks. What's well, the travel? You know, yeah. you to get there, come back. It's a twelve-hour trip. But those two together, it's a, it's a whole day. You're in the glowing, area. man. You're doing you're all glowing. the islands. I'm doing uh doing Oahu and I'm doing Maui. We can each doing Oahu. Yeah. Why? Why not? Because yeah, it's a touristy one. Mike's dropping his bona fides. Yeah. I mean, I mean, bonafides. look, Oahu's a really nice place. North Shore is great. We're going to do things off the beaten path. Ah. Renting a Jeep, dropping the top, cruising around. Jurassic yeah. Park land? Jurassic Park for sure, doing a zip lining there. So you're going to Kauai? Not going to Kauai. Then that's not Jurassic Park land. Well, there's, a, there's the valley, Kualoa Valley. Which is where they filmed Jurassic yeah, Park. Doing Road to Hana. You guys are having and a Hawaii off right yeah, now. You guys are both flexing. Like you're, you're both. Hana? We're gonna do the entire Road to Hana. How many times you do? You done Road to Hana once. Yeah. I'm gonna do it again. Yeah. In a jeep, dropping the top. You're doing it yourself. Me and my wife. They've both taken their you shirt have a driver? off. Driver. No driver. Just no me. No driver. Yeah. Uh, driver. Miss we'll move. I told you off the beaten path. We're gonna go to some waterfalls. We're gonna go to some mountains. We're gonna go to some beaches, secluded. You can't go off the path. The whole ride is the path. Well, you know what I mean. Going off the beaten path. Road to Hana was one of my favorite things I've ever done. It's incredible. But did I've only you do done the, it once. Did you do the sunrise at the uh, Halakelea? Yes. yes. It, just go ahead and ask me yeah. if you want to say, like, hey, did, did you, you do anything? Seven, yes. Did you do the... Yes. How about the... Yes. Mm. Is there a Hawaii podcast out there? Because you two... I mean, we dominate. It. Yeah. yeah we, it would only be you one episode, Red Sand Beach? Though. Go Red Sand Beach? I'm more of a Black Sand Beach guy. 
I mean, you don't have to pick one. I mean, I, but I, I like the Black Sand Beach. Right? Uh, uh, welcome to Mystery Creek. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I did that right. Yeah, under, under the breath, though. Oh, yeah, so yeah, what's the name of that little the, the, the hill, that mountain that you can climb up? It's got a cool trail. It's in Oahu. Oh, Diamond Head. Diamond Head. Yeah. It's been there, done that. Yeah, you got to wear the right shoes for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I a I went there wearing these these slides. Slides is a no-go. Yeah. Absolute no go. See, that's what you come in for mystery crate. That's that's why that's why you come here. Yeah. For footwear advice when you're climbing Diamond Head. That's what this episode is. Yes. Literally the entire thing. It's just Tony and I being insufferable about saying we've been OI. Yeah. First world problems. It should yeah. be the podcast. You going to Big I, Island? No Big Island, no. No Big Island. No Big Island. Have you ever been to the Big Island? I haven't. Whoa, dude. You're wait, the second time you're going to Hawaii, you're not doing Big Island? Because it's my wife's first time. Ah. So I want to take her to the spots that I was there. You got to do Big Island. You got to do Big Island. It's just it's tough because there's there's not many people that live there, right? It's no, basically there's plenty. inhabited. There's, you go to Kona. Yeah, but uh. you go to Kona and you can drive around the entire Big Island. It's only big relative to all the other islands. Correct. And they got that summit over there. You'll see God, man. It. Well, I can do that in Maui. No, 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 no. Yeah. The, this is the highest summit in hmm. in the Big Island, and Big Island's got like. A very great vibe. Sounds like you Super went to all the vibe. islands. Yeah. Can I tell you something? Yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Damn it! <sighs> <sighs> so much better than my trip. So what do we got coming up today? This is know, a biggie. Man. This is a biggie we got today. Howard Bryant running How hamstrings. <laughs> Howard asked the question. What? <laughs> what we got today? I'm just oh, like, I know. It's I'm, I'm doing a thing, right? Doing doing well, mystery crate. Mystery crate is a mystery yeah. sometimes, and. Last week, it was a, a bonus episode of Cinephobe, mm -hmm. and, and this week, Howard Bryant, <laughs> who, who you may not know, is a just an insane Marvel fan. Yeah. Loves Marvel. His friends over at the Marvel Cinematic University podcast Ooh, are teaming cool. up here. If you, you can subscribe, we'll put the, the link in the bio for this episode, uh, but Howard joins that podcast a lot. And they talk about everything that's happening in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, naturally with a name like that. Yeah. And a pretty big Marvel franchise just had a sequel drop last week. And if you haven't seen it... Spoiler alert! You're Spoiler. fucked. Yeah, <laughs> you're fucked for absolutely. this episode, absolutely. man. But we'll be back at the end. So I just want to hear yeah, us. So I have been very busy with the local sports equinox. Yeah. And I edited this episode in part. I'm so thing. sorry. They, they also helped me out a great deal, but I gave it a run-through. And I still hadn't gotten around to seeing Doctor mm. Strange because I'm always traveling all these games. Yeah. So mm. it sounds like an incredible movie. <laughs> I couldn't believe some of the surprises Marvel Seems had. Seems like it sleeve. was an enjoyable listen, even if you haven't seen it. If you're not worried about spoilers and you haven't seen it, it's still a good listen. I will say it made me want to see the movie more. Yeah. And mm. sometimes spoilers work like that with me. Yeah. No, Endgame, no, no spoilers headed into it. No. But I kind of. This is a spoiler. Here it comes. Here it comes. Spoiler. There's Back a big spoiler right now. Yeah. There's a big spoiler big right one. now. I will uh, fast forward 30 seconds twice. Yep. Just because there's a big spoiler right now. So if it's 15 seconds, go four times. Yep, yep, yep. Here it is. Good math. I knew that Patrick Stewart was going to be in this movie what? as Professor Xavier. How? Because that, that was like the internet chatter. Just like the internet chatter before, all right, you're going to want to fast forward. Fast forward, fast forward. Before the latest Spider-Man movie was that all, yeah. all the, oh, yeah, the Spider-Man would yeah, come that's together. Right, that's right, yeah. But I knew that about this movie, and you know what it did? Made me want to see it more. Mm. But I had no idea the surprises this film had in store. Mm. It, 
Apparently, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Love a tip of, yeah, I love a tip of the so iceberg. So these guys will break it down for you mm-hmm. in ways you Maybe. had always dreamed of, especially if you've seen the film. This is a good companion pod. And if you're one of those people that just wants to keep abreast of the Marvel Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe and maybe not actually watch the film, just get downloaded on the deets. Or you're like me, someone that hadn't seen it, doesn't mind spoilers, and it just makes you want to see it more. This is a good episode. Yeah. Multiverse of Madness, is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, something like Bear that. Bear. Yeah, yeah. Is that what some, it's called? Some, some, you see it? Yeah. Sure. Have you seen the Doctor Strange? He said sure. I don't think he's Why seen not, it. Why not, Bear? Why not? Have you ever been to Hawaii? Yeah, come on. Get Have over you ever here. been to Hawaii? Jer Bear, ladies and gentlemen. A little quicker. Hey, welcome. A little, little quicker. Hey, yeah. hey, how you doing? Have you ever hey, been to Hawaii? Hey, hey. I feel like I've been to Hawaii now. Yeah. Okay. That's, <laughs> thanks to you guys. Not the same, though. Jer Bear, everybody. Yeah. 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 Good job, Jer Bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice enjoy, seeing you. Enjoy nice seeing you. See you later. I'm here with Anthony Canton III, Jerome Chang, and Jake Christie, the mighty trio that formed the MC University podcast, to my mind, the best podcast out there on the MCU and fantasy in general. You can catch them weekly on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. When I'm taking a break from politics and Meadowlarkas, you can find me over there making fun of Sam Wilson. But today they're here, part of the mystery crate. Welcome, guys. And we're going to jump in headfirst into the latest MCU blockbuster, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Guys, I've been waiting a long time for this, ever since the end of WandaVision, but really ever since Mordo said no more sorcerers six years ago in the first Doctor Strange. There's so much to discuss here. Sam Raimi, Secret Wars momentum, the multiverse, and here it is. Two hours, six minutes, Stephen Strange, Wanda Maximoff, $200 million budget. So let's do a quick whip around We'll start with you, Jake. What was the one thing you were anticipating most in this film, and did it deliver? So the thing I was anticipating and I would say worried about was, will the Marvel machine allow Sam Raimi to make a Sam Raimi movie? Um, Because even though I love the MCU movies, they can kind of sometimes dole their directors uh, and kind of take away what makes them original. And this is kind of the first time they got like a genre master to make one of their movies. And I can say that without a doubt, this movie is a movie that only Sam Raimi could make. And so on that front, I was as happy as could be. I think I fully delivered that. AC? Well, for me personally, as somebody who's been a multiverse proponent and seeing He Who Remains and Loki talk about a multiversal war that spans the eons, for me, when you get when you talk about multiverse of madness, I want to see Secret Wars. That's what I'm ready for. It doesn't matter if it's the <laughs> modern version. You were getting there. No, we're getting there. We're getting there for sure. But I think the breadcrumbs that the MCU has slowly left for us as we've gone on in phase four, this movie brings it a little bit more into focus and more so than anything else from a comic book standpoint, the idea that you get verbiage like incursions and stuff like that puts that Secret Wars thing into more focus for me. So we got that and a lot of other things, but I was very pleased. Trump? You can tell that these guys uh, and I have done the podcast together for so long that they covered my first two expectations. <laughs> but uh, coming out of that, I, I think the exciting part for me, uh, and they teased it just as much in there, uh, not even that cleverly. It's just I wanted maximum Maximoff. And I wanted to see how far Wanda is going to go, how powerful she really is. I think so often uh, we have gotten teases of it from as early as Ultron. 
the potential that she could have. And boy, did it deliver. We will definitely talk about it in detail later, but boy, did it deliver. How about you, Howard? Yeah, I kind of thought, um, and and one, Jake, I would I would say that Taka Waihidi doesn't, I don't think he would be a genre director. I think he got to cut loose a little bit. And um, I guess what I'm trying to say is a director with a very distinct visual genre style yeah, that like, yeah. I think because even if you look at Taika, his biggest budget movie was, you know, ha- maybe $2 million before this. I feel like a lot of times they'll just, I kind of was just really disappointed with what Eternals was with Chloe Zhao. So I was kind of nervous that like, are they hiring Sam Raimi, one of the godfathers of modern genre cinema to do a paint by numbers? And if they did that, that would have been really sad. And I'm very glad they didn't. I I just feel uh, it's it's a conversation that becomes a deep dive in itself. But I think there are directors that can do their thing in MCU, but they do need to do a good MCU thing. And uh, I think Sam Raimi is one of those perfect fits for that situation. Yeah, and and let the record show that despite all the grief that Sony movies get, when Spider-Man 2 came out, people were saying that was the greatest comic book movie of all time. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it was because of the director. And You've Got a Train to Catch still sticks with me. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, it was, it was Mordo, I gotta say, because the way that that Easter egg ended Doctor Strange. Oh, and by the way, how are your legs doing, Benjamin Bratt? I mean, that set up <laughs> that set up that we were finally going to get a, a, a showdown between a true believer, which is the Mordo character in Doctor Strange, who was so disillusioned that he was going to come back and try to set things right. And we got something way different from that character. And yeah. that storyline disappeared. And I understand sort of why. I, I, I get that a lot, of, a lot has changed in those six years, that they've gone bigger and bigger and bigger. And these movies are so apocalyptic. And so how are you going to have a mano a mano now when you've moved into every movie is completely dystopian. But that was the fight I was looking for. That was the character development I was looking for. I also thought, too, and maybe this is a trend, and I'm interested in your thoughts about what you were expecting coming into this film. But there's also been a trend lately, and I saw it most recently with Licorice Pizza, where the trailer is not the movie. And I really, really thought that this was going to be a movie where you saw Stephen Strange out of his depth, really sort of uh, overtaken by his own power and by his own sort of greed and sins and such. And he was actually a pretty fairly solid superhero in this movie. Well, that's a really good point there. I I think in the context of MCU, it's like almost the chicken and egg. Which came first? Was it us dissecting every little thing that happens in a Disney Plus series or in a trailer or in any kind of set photo that we have to figure out everything and remove the surprise of film that forces them to full on mislead and lie to us in trailers? Or (laughs) is that something that like, you know, that they just want to keep for the the sake of being a bit of a low key trickster in that regard? Because I can speak on behalf of, or I think I can, you tell me AC, AC is our resident uh, Easter egg hunter. And, (laughs) and like a trailer like this is fodder for the opportunity to figure out all the things that were going on. And then again, as he preached, multiverse, 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 he's been talking about it since. I don't even remember there ever being one, a single universe, the way he talks about it. <laughs> My guy, like, how do you, how did the trailer 
come off for you versus like what the movie turned into? Well, I think the I think the main thing as far as the trailer was concerned, it was more of a we're trying to sell Stephen Strange going to Wanda Maximoff for help. Even though the odds are with with it, when you consider the ending of WandaVision that she was going to be looking for the kids, she was reading the Darkhold, and that was going to become an instant issue for all of these characters in this movie, as it did. Now, from a multiverse perspective, yes, when you get He Who Remains talk about this war, and you want to see how everything continues to build and continues to build and escalate, and I wouldn't even say that it was necessary as much of an escalation as far as an introduction to Mm -hmm. what the multiverse looks like with some of the characters that we saw in this movie and mainly the abilities of of the variants of not only strange but also wanda as well and some other characters that we'll talk about in a little bit so i think from a from a scale standpoint yeah i probably expected a little bit more than than what we got here but i will definitely say i was not disappointed i think they did from a the- from a thematic standpoint for strange's character i think it was very well done and i think it helped kind of advance not only his story but the multi- multiversal story as well i also want to say that i think in a lot of cases with people like us who talk about it a lot and think about it a lot it's easy for us to kind of invent in our head that some storylines are further along than they are because in the actual reality of what has come out with the MCU, the only real characters we see from other universes is in Spider-Man No Way Home when it's characters from established universes. So in reality, we actually haven't been to other universes and seen how the multiverse works. And so from that perspective, while I think it would have been fun if there were some more multiverse hopping and if he was in like 10 universes or whatever, I think that making it very simple of like, we're going to give you three different versions of this Doctor Strange, and this is we're going to explain to you how it works from scratch, how different universes work. And I also think that that allows them to set up things like incursions much easier, because when we're only paying attention to three different universes, that makes things a lot more grounded when it's trying to comprehend the actual multiverse, because that obviously is both in storytelling and in real life impossible to comprehend. So I was surprised, but I think that for what the film was trying to achieve, I think they made the right decision in keeping the relative number of universes small. Yeah, I, and I, I agree. And I sort of thought that, I think for me, where I was, what I was looking for, and once again, if the film takes you on whatever direction it wants to take you on, you've got to decide if you're if you're going on the journey. And to me, I think I was expecting, I was expecting two things. I was expecting way more emotional wrestling with the Stephen Strange character in terms of Mm -hmm. his power, because there is, he is Tony Stark. They they are alter egos in a lot of ways in terms of really overdoing it in, in terms of making a mess out of powers they can't control. And I thought we were going to get that. And I also thought we were going to get, by the way that she had discussed and talked about herself, that we were going to get a Wanda Maximoff that thought she was on the run. And instead, she just went on the offensive. (laughs) She just went on the offensive and said, hey, come get me if you think you can. And I thought that was, uh, I thought that was a fantastic turn by her. And especially because... The question that the MCU has been asking, well, that I've been asking of the MCU 
and especially now that you're adding the Disney Plus series in there, is how much homework do you actually have to do? And for those of you who would like to do your homework, Secret Wars was a massive, massive tie-in in 1984 and 85 in the comic book. So hop on the Marvel, hop on the Marvel uh, app and, uh, and, and go look at the, uh, the massive Secret Wars and Secret Wars 2 and Secret Wars 3. Yes, yes. And you could also add the, the 2015 version of Secret Wars, New Avengers, uh, the Hickman run, those things, those things basically tied into this movie when we talk about the incursions and what that means going forward. How's the balance, do you think, that these movies, now that we're into the mid-20s of this, the number of these Marvel films... The the question had earlier had been earlier that you could enjoy these films because you didn't have to do a lot of homework. You could walk mm-hmm. right in. But this absolutely struck me as you had to know, especially when we're talking about the the story arc of Wanda Maximoff and her grief. You had to have watched WandaVision for this to yeah. make the most amount of sense. I mean, I think that WandaVision was the one thing you did need to watch, which is, you know, a can be an issue for some people, um, and I understand if that's a, too big of a bridge. I, I honestly almost wish that like they just were explicit about it, because I think a lot of people are like, I think people get overwhelmed by the idea that they have to watch everything. But I think if you told someone, like, hey, remember that show WandaVision that a lot of people liked? Just watch it over the weekend, and you'll be fine for Doctor Strange. Like, if people knew exactly what it was, I think it would be less overwhelming. Yeah, I think on top of that, it's the other thing, too, like, when I think about... You know, Inf- Infinity War and Endgame was that temple event that, like, we suddenly have a whole bunch more Marvel viewers because, they, like, everyone knew, like, this was the thing to watch in theaters. And what ultimately happened is you got people who were like, if I, do I need to see everything? And people would see that. And then people would be like, what is the minimum amount of movies I need to understand what's going on? Some people were looking to a YouTube video for a 30-minute breakdown of everything that was going on. And I think what ultimately will happen and that's why it kind of works out for these disney plus series to go is hopefully there is enough in movies that you can kind of like pick up pieces without having like a fully necessarily like the full experience of it and it probably is like the back and forth where it's like either you're watching it to understand the movie ahead or you watch the movie and it drives you back to watch to make more sense of what you just saw and i I think that's just like where we're at now and no matter what else we got, we got Wong. And we got a lot of Wong. Yes. And that yes. felt great. <laughs> I'm yeah, so, yeah. I love Wong. I said it before. <laughs> I'm so, Benedict Wong's weight loss. Shouts to him, too. We got to shout it out. He, in the five years when there's the blip, he, you know, you know, Wong hit the gym, and you got to respect it. A- Agent Coulson <laughs> died so Wong could live and could babysit could the entire exactly. MCU. 100%. Yes. And, and you know what else about Wong? Oh, another thing. It's not... It's not the film's fault. It's simply me deciding what I thought I was going to get. Yeah, I right. actually thought that we were going to get a very moralistic Wong mm. explaining mm-hmm. to Strange that he had, because in, remember in the first Doctor Strange, he was trying to, you can't break all these different rules. Can I like, explain that, why I think that that didn't happen though? Because I think yes. that we've seen Strange actually screw up more on film than be good. And I think in order for the turn of him doing too much I, especially because the last thing we saw was him in no way home almost breaking the multiverse to help a kid i actually think that at a certain point at least also i would very ro- stark like yes i would roll my eyes where it's like are we so everyone trusts this guy as if he's a hero but we only see him screw up and so i think that there might be a thought of if dr strange is going to be one of our tentpole characters in the next phase we 
he needs to prove his value as a good before we can do the stories of him overreaching. Also, because we already have done the stories of him overreaching. And I am reaching out right now. If you are out there, I'm sending a signal out to you, CeCe Sabathia. You know how I feel about Tony Stark. I need to know how you feel about Stephen <laughs> Strange. There will be there will be text messages. There will be. And uh, CeCe is a is is a is a friend of the of of the of the MCU. Huge diehard. And just as a quick aside, yeah. He sent me a text message the other day that said Moon Knight. With a trash can emoji. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that's to be discussed at a later date. Just to be discussed FYI. at a later date. <laughs> just oh, back, back to like Wong and Strange and just like Strange more or less letting it fly. He's just like this supremely talented. When he shows up, you're going to get a lot of loose cannon. But at the same time, he more or less will like get you, one would hope, to the promised land, although maybe not in the cleanest way. I mean, we're looking at a Phil Jackson, Dennis Rodman situation, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I like, you know, yeah. like, look, yeah. if you're going to three Pete, if you're going to carry this to the very end and like get yourself that like last dance, sometimes you're going to let, got to let that cape fly. That's the way I see it. And yeah. I think one of one of the most interesting things about his his character in this movie, and I do like the the mirror imagery when we look into the variants and see that basically they all make a form of the same choice that gets them to a place where they either get corrupted or catastrophe happens. And Strange gets to see that and gets to make a different choice, but yet still his own nature even in doing the right thing gets him to a place where even he gets corrupted once again. So I, uh, that part of it was very fascinating to see. Yeah. How do we feel about one of the things that I had heard going into the film was that the movie was very, very true to its comic roots and getting closer and closer. And when we got done with Endgame, moving into Eternals, we, on your program, we had talked about the necessity of telling smaller stories. And this was a big story. And it was also a small story at the same time, mm -hmm. because you've got the apocalyptic, obviously, from the opening jump, you've got the dreamscape and dream walking and the rest of it. And then you also have this individual character that is the Elizabeth Olsen character, that is Wanda Maximoff. Her journey has not been complete on screen and finally, we get to a point now where there's an examination of that. I want to I want to hold on to that piece for one quick second. And I want to go one other place where, to, to close up. I know it was in some ways by accident, but also an incredible amount of great fortune that Robert Downey Jr., that the Tony Stark character was the tentpole. Do you see that in Benedict Cumberbatch? Do you see that in the strange character? Can he carry this phase the way that the Tony Stark character did? I think the biggest part of that is his want to. And it's pretty clear in all of Benedict's interviews that he goes, I'm not done with this character. I feel like this character has a lot of legs. I think there's a passion there that he's really enjoying diving into the meat of this character. And I think we saw that here and kind of the way that they built him in this movie with everything going on around him. I think it would lead you to believe that he could be a leader, even though we discussed on our own program that uh, my co-hosts don't exactly necessarily agree with that fact. 
But I would say I'm firmly in strange. Go ahead. You can run this thing. But I think that you're I think it's a two different questions. I think the mm-hmm. question of whether or not the character of Doctor Strange can run things in the universe, that I don't know. I think the answer is he's gonna try, but he can't. But does Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> have the charisma and the, you know, chutzpah to be the central focal point? I think if does. we're comparing him to Robert Downey Jr., the answer is no, but that's like saying that a baseball team's bad because they're not the twenty seven Yankees, you know? Uh bar. But I think, and I would have told you in 2016, I would have said, absolutely not. Benedict, whatever, no. And after Infinity War, I would have said, eh, probably not. And honestly, at this point, I really can't believe I'm saying it, but I think probably yes, he can. The answer is yes. And you know, and it's funny, that was, and look at AC. I was going to say, this is a podcast, look at AC's face. Why (laughs) is that face crinkling right now, AC? Do you feel like you've been betrayed uh, on this podcast? Oh, no. Have your mates mates had a change of heart from the last time you talked about this? No, I, I think it's I think it's great that that Jake has a little bit more exuberance for this. This is awesome. Come to my <laughs> no, side. The, 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 I don't think what we, you know, what we discussed what we discussed it. previously was whether or not the character could lead, and I said no because he's irresponsible. But yes. I'm to me, if an actor's charismatic enough to do a role, that's the main conversation I want to talk about. I talk about that this whole podcast if we wanted to. Well, I, I actually <laughs> want to pose a question back to you, Howard. On a character standpoint, I just don't want Doctor Strange to find his responsibility like i don't want him to be the responsible father suddenly like i don't need him to have a tony stark level turn mr stark you don't need him who's that your ward but you know but i are are we having some are 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 we reflecting having some nostalgia toward tony stark he was completely irresponsible he he was no no but i I just said like irresponsible arrives like they still make enough like a point for him to arrive there. Like by the time he gets to infinity war, he is the, like essentially the um, old head who like the, everyone yeah. looks to. Right. And he's still like the mentor to Peter. I don't necessarily need strange to do that. I don't need yeah. strange to feel that level of guilt. I don't need him to do that. I don't need him to be magic iron man. Um, the other thing I want to point out, ask you, because this is a thing that we've had a conversation a lot in, our uh, more recent episodes is we are going in so many different directions and so many different yeah. worlds, so many different things. You're asking for a leader. Where's ground zero for us? Because yeah. now you're in a situation where like, it's very easy to have a Captain America and Iron Man during like the infinity saga. We're so far beyond that. We have the internals that like, while obviously it's not the most popular film and not the most successful, but by all arguments, they were the ones that never intervened that might be like the most powerful and available. And that's right. Doors, mm-hmm. absolutely doors had opened. Doors mm-hmm. opened there. And now when you watch Moon Knight, more doors have opened. I mean, you're dealing with incredibly powerful beings that keep it away from a street level. And I had always Powerful thought, but incompetent gods. <laughs> I love it. Powerful, incompetent god. Friends, a lot has changed over the years, personally, and across our airwaves. But one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. You know, for me personally, I recently bought a few six-packs of Miller Lite for my housewarming party. Because that's one thing that's changed for me. I moved into a new house, and I brought some friends over, and we enjoyed the best light beer. Because Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. Less filling and only 96 calories. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. 
Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Oh my gosh. Folks, gather around. Everyone gather around. Listen to these words. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers, listen to me. You bet just five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code DAN. That's code DAN for new customers. And you get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. That's insane. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think also to the point, to Jake's point about the Stephen Strange arc, let's not forget that Robert Downey Jr. had like 11 years with Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. I mean, I forget about Iron Man and Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3 because, you know, his he had a long time to do with that character what Benedict Cumberbatch has had six years to do. So there's a long mm -hmm. way to go for him. No, no question. Also, but, like to that mm -hmm. point of... Like we ask about to your Benedict Cumberbatch question, can we insert Doctor Strange in any movie as a means to make it a draw the way we used to do it with Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr.? I don't think so necessarily. Maybe because of like the type of character. Yeah. What what the question that we're really asking is, is he a superstar on screen? Mm -hmm. That's mm. what we're really asking. Yeah. And the the beauty of these movies, of what the MCU has done, is by the time we get even to Civil War, you recognize that you had not one, to Jerome's point about this thing being in so many different directions. This was a Robert Downey Jr. vehicle, but who knew Chris Evans was a superstar? Mm -hmm. And then who knew that Chris Hemsworth was a superstar? And there was, yeah. and of course you had you know Nick Fury, and you you know you had Samuel L. Jackson. So the the fact of the matter is is that. It is going in a lot of directions, and we've talked about it on your on your pod, on the MCU pod, that the story, the phases, are really wrestling between sort of Ditko Marvel, which is street level, mm -hmm. and Kirby Marvel, yeah. which is Galactus Marvel. So you're going mm -hmm, yeah. in these huge uh, different directions. And I thought that this movie was really sort of tying the two together in some way. Yeah. Um, and and we'll see what they do with it. I actually felt like, and I'm not quite sure what the reason was. I'm going to throw out a, a hypothesis to you. I thought I couldn't tell if the reason was because I was getting a little fatigued with these apocalyptic super battles that mm -hmm. um, how many more cosmic beams can I look at um, yeah. after seeing Infinity War and, and Endgame? But I think that a thing that this movie does that you're alluding to 
is that with the exception of like some of the stuff around the mountain, it's a movie that's all magic and what have you. But almost every fight takes place in either a small space or a real space. Yeah. And I think that as much as I love like the painterly quality of the Avengers Assemble scene, it's actually, I think, really bad from a filmmaking perspective <laughs> to have a gigantic battle in like a random field in upstate New York. Like mm-hmm. it just bad, looks bad. And I think that because of these battles that are with not tactile weapons like magic, if you have them in a tactile space, it always will feel more intimate and personal. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Th- that I think that that's what helped combine the cosmicness with the street levelness because there was cosmic themes, but each of the indiv- each of the individual scenes functioned on a street level way in a lot of in a lot of well, Jake. Know, I mean, that is yeah. entirely why we talked about it just yesterday. Yeah. Shout out Sam Raimi. The man knows how to make an action set piece. The man knows how to set mm-hmm. where you are when things are happening because like we do I mean, he made have... two incredibly compelling horror movies both in the same cabin exactly. for like two million dollars combined exactly because like even beyond all those things like let's not forget the first big action set piece is in new york right mm-hmm. but yes. like in a new york that like we can see everything like moving around we have mm-hmm. a good sense of where we are the even when it moves to other locations we can feel that they've actually moved across to other parts it's i mean in that sense i i couldn't even tell you like how much is it just uh maybe a bit of a indictment on marvel action in general and just feeling all the same in empty spaces or just like a real credit to having sam raimi at the helm yeah and having small space fighting is hard to do when you've got the level of powers that those guys have at some point all the fight scenes end up looking the same when you're at that level of power and The reason why some of the other fight scenes, I mean, obviously nothing will ever be as brutal as Civil War up in the, I mean, when, when Cap, when Cap and Iron Man essentially tried to kill each other. I mean, that's the most brutal scene in the entire MCU to me. The most personal. Until we start talking about it. The most personal. Exactly. Right, right. On that front, for sure. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go one other place before we go where I really want to go. And that is the, the, the space where we end up in one of the pieces of the multiverse. And all of a sudden, for the comic book lovers out there and everyone who's been following the Sony Fox MCU thing, we get Black Bolt. Mm. We get Captain Carter. We get Captain Marvel, who is not the Captain Marvel that we remember, we get, but more than anybody else, who do we get? We get Charles Xavier. And I don't know how you guys felt about that scene, that council scene, but in the theater, when he rolled in, the place went wild. Yep. And the place went wild, I suspect, because they were thinking sooner or later, the X-Men are coming back to the MCU. What were your thoughts of that? I would say the sound drop of the animated series beautiful um the yellow hover chair beautiful patrick stewart looking a little old to play the role it is what it is that's fine but all that said he is he is he's up there he's very up (laughs) there right but I, i think to all those ends it's just you know i don't think there is anything in here that tells me that this is the x men i'm gonna see or how soon i'm gonna see it but i think it does do a really nice thing of introducing this can exist, which we know everything can exist. It's a multiverse. Um, But also like 
I, I, I just, I love as someone who has followed like the early Marvel films and the animated shows and things like that, like give me any kind of mini homage and I will eat it all the way up. 100%. I think when you think about Charles Xavier and Reed Richards, and by the way, you drop in a Baxter Foundation. I didn't even mention Reed Richards. <laughs> yeah. How did John, I John, Mr. Fantastic. How are you ignoring him like Pam from season one? <laughs> <laughs> and my son was sitting next to me and he goes, Jim. That is great. Um, it, the, the funny part about like all of that is you get these Easter eggs with the with Strange mentioning the whole, oh, this thing happened in the 60s, which makes you yep. wonder in the 616, the Fantastic Four story, what that might look like with uh, all four of them disappearing. But nonetheless, to bring it back here, getting Reed Richards in this, it was cool. I mean, if you think about Fantastic Four, we haven't seen, I mean, the films, they are what they are. But just the idea that they're going to they're going to be coming back at some point and getting that that visual was just tremendous. And I think the energy in the theater, in my theater specifically, uh, kind of alluded to that. But the Xavier stuff, Black Bolts, Howard, you mentioned the comic book aspect for for fans who want to eat this up. I think the way that the Illuminati were portrayed here was perfect to how they are in the comics. Because you think about one of the issues where they all have Infinity Stones and they don't know what to do with them. They lose control of them and all that type of stuff. It's their arrogance and, and just the idea that they think, as Captain Marvel says, Maria Rambeau, she goes, oh, we'll handle your little witch. Well, I mean... We know what happened there. So I think just those visuals were just fantastic. You might want to talk to your daughter about that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that was too fun. (laughs) That was another thing. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, I think that the thing that it did, which I I think is just so funny, too, that Anson Mount, who plays Black Bolt, that's the biggest W of anyone's film career. Because as far as any viewer would be concerned, he is considered as important as uh, Patrick Stewart, John Krasinski, Lashana Lynch, and Haley Atwell, who are all actual movie stars. But um, I think what it did is it the audiences immediately knew that if those characters were to die, it had to be a big deal, even though those characters aren't actually a big deal in the universe. That like it did the homework for you where you understood how big of a deal it is that Wanda is killing Mr. Fantastic, is killing uh, Professor X, is killing Captain Marvel, but it didn't have to kill any actual characters that we know specifically. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was a really fun cheat and also like a very, you know, kind of fun middle finger to the audience of people who wanted like these characters <laughs> to stick around. It's like, we'll give you them for a few seconds and then we'll take them away too. Yeah. And on top of that, it did make me laugh. I had to say, I was like, damn. Professor X, not too adept with the ladies. I mean, you got sent to Ash already by Jean Grey in X3. And now and now, and now Wanda Maximoff is just dusting you again, pal. Snap your neck. Nothing says approach. Dark Phoenix in a Marvel film like killing off Charles Xavier at some point. Like, it's incredible. Um, and, and one of those things that, like, also always trying to think that you can contain a power like how many like clearly these xaviers have not taught like exchanged notes with each other that they keep on making the same mistake no no doubt no doubt the one massive question for all of this for this movie in my in my opinion did have to be the arc of wanda maximoff as a character 
how do we conclude the Wanda Maximoff story? Or have we concluded the Wanda Maximoff story? The, the beauty of, of WandaVision to me, and I still believe that it is the best of the Disney streamers to me. I still love I WandaVision the best. I agree with you. Yeah. It was also the deepest in terms of the theme of, of her grief, of where this grief has taken. They've done more with that character than maybe any of them. Um, yeah. In terms of the, the emotional depth of the Elizabeth Olsen character, how do we feel about what they about the the story of Wanda Maximoff and how they concluded it here? I think that I've been wrestling with that a lot because there is an incongruity with the end of WandaVision and where she picks up here. Now, I think a lot of that can be explained with she's getting corrupted by the dark world and it, you know, can make turn her desires into like her desire to have a family into something more evil. But what I've actually kind of come to is that I think the problem is that WandaV the end of WandaVision kind of gave her too much of a pass. And I think that this is kind of where she always was headed. Um, and if she didn't have like that kind of what I feel forced forgiven ending at the end of WandaVision, I think it would have felt more natural. I obviously don't think that this is the end of her character because you don't see her dead body and therefore she's not dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you there, Jake. I just don't see immediately what is the through line to like, come along. We got to go defeat Galactus. Like they're just not, <laughs> there's not something there. Like there was one thing when we had like, say the Hulk, like the Hulk was presented in age of Ultron as like loose cannon. We couldn't trust him. They send him off to, or he sends himself off to Sakaar. Um, but even then, it was uncontrollable. Like, Wanda was well within her faculties in decide everything she's, she decides to do here. And I just don't see – like, it's, it's very brutal. Like, you, you, you mentioned – and I understand, uh, like, how you meet it when it comes to Civil War, how brutal it is. She massacres the Illuminati. Yes. While on the way to try to kill some children. Like there is just nothing that like comes off really well about it. So it'll be really interesting um, in terms of like where I could see it go. There's like the one card that hasn't quite been played yet. And I don't think we've seen the last of them. And that's vision. I was just about to bring that up too. Um, yeah. Redemption stories specifically for this one. I'm sure it's going to be complicated, but then I think about the comics and, House of M and Avengers Disassembled. They had Wanda kill Avengers in that. They had Wanda rewrite reality in that. And while Vision in the books was not happy with her and sent her away, eventually there will be an opportunity for redemption because everybody loves a good redemption story. So if they if they find a way to tell it, and I think that they I think that they can. In a, in a lot in in a specific way, whether it be a, be via TV AC, are you series. telling me she's about to get the uh, MVP narrative like situation right now? Is that what One, you're calling for? One hundred percent. Because if you really think about it, she did put up a Nikola Jokic stat line in this movie. Like if you really just think, <laughs> she, she was she's doing the a little, real MVP. She she was the real MVP. She was doing a little bit of everything. So I think overall. People love Wanda Maximoff. People do. The fans really love her. And I love her too. She was awesome in this movie. I know a lot of people were upset. Like in terms well, of just see, like, What you're reminding me of is yeah. uh, one of my favorite TikTok song, uh, sounds where it's just, I support women's rights, but more importantly, I support their wrongs. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is that is great that is yeah. great but i look forward to seeing how they bring her back and again elizabeth olsen has alluded to it in interviews as well 
she's not done playing this character by a long shot. Elizabeth Olsen can act. And, yes. and, and she did carry, she can carry scenes. And when she's on screen, we're watching her. And that goes back to what we were saying before about expecting this to be maybe a, a Tom Holland, Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, phase. She carries her own. And yeah. whatever they do with her, and she's also powerful. When we left the movie, my son says to me, we talked about it, and he goes, and they killed my favorite character. And he was talking about <laughs> Wanda. And I'm like, mm-hmm. killed some? Killed? I'm not yeah, sure about you that. You haven't showed him enough movies. Yeah. If you, if you don't see a toe tag. <laughs> a really exactly. Tag. Unless yeah. you see... I mean, it's, you certainly haven't watched any soap operas. Nobody dies for real, son. Uh-huh. Yeah. What did we last but not least as we move on? I still feel as we go into this, I, I, I love what they did with WandaVision. I love the character. I love the grief. I love everything about what they've done. And I love the fact that Elizabeth Olsen absolutely carried an extremely complicated storyline. I know people have talked about uh, what Oscar Isaac did in Moon Knight, but I still just think that what she's done has been fantastic. Yeah. Yep. The one character we haven't spoken about in this whole film is America, the the, mm-hmm. the one who's around the whole thing. Yeah, fantastic. No, I just want to say, like from an intros perspective, I think it, this was a this was a really knock it out of the park intro, just like the perfect fit her in here, and I think the way that her and Strange interacted was really fun the story of her trying to figure out her powers and struggling with that as she goes along until she gets to a point where she realizes that her powers were always sending her to the right place. And I think Strange being able to assist her in that way, doing the opposite of what Defender Strange did at the beginning of the film, I think was a great way to to bring things back full circle for her. So I, I'm excited to see what America Chavez does, whether... It's she's hanging out with Ned doing a uh, doing some sorcery at some point or she joins up with the Young Avengers in the future. Whatever that that holds, America Chavez is a character I want to be around and a character I want to see. Do we see um, a a Tony Stark, Peter Parker relationship there as well? Budding? No, no, because she's not, you know, Peter Parker's because she has no desire to be mentored by someone. And I think that that's such a fun, that's a fun thing to do. Which is what Spider-Man was supposed to be, which is why I Mm -hmm. was enraged with what they did with that (laughs) character. I'm like, he's a loner. I'm screaming at the team. He's a loner. Leave him be. (laughs) Right. And well, like the other thing too, uh, on top of all that, not looking for a mentor, this is our first, I'm recycling this, but like, this is our first young new character that has no knowledge or reverence for the Avengers. Yes. Yeah. Very different from the Haley Stanfield um, in Hawkeye. Final thoughts. Let's do a little roundtable. Final thoughts, Jake. Uh, the Bruce Campbell cameo was great. Uh, the, I, he, this is the third time Bruce Campbell has beat himself up on camera for Sam Raimi. <laughs> and if that's not a lifelong friendship, I don't know what is. AC? I'm glad that they were able to give Rachel McAdams more to do in this film than the last one. I, I like the, the part that she played in kind of getting strange to see that he see who he is who he actually is he always has to hold the knife and that played a part in very good him at the good end of, at the end of the story I, I really like your conversation in like all these new characters or existing ones that are going into their own and seeing like who are the new superstars but i gotta say if we're gonna be here on the pirate ship under dan lebertard i think we have to call it an mvp bar 
Um, But no, like it was a fun time. And uh, honestly, I'm really happy that it was big and small at the same time. Uh, Give me more Sam Raimi. Uh, Give me a Sam Raimi um, big event, Avengers level event scene. Like the way that they Mm. gave it to James Gunn in Infinity War. Like give me some of that action because I'm going to need that back. All I was going to say was I'm looking at, at Christine and Rachel McAdams and I'm thinking... You married a black guy. He got one sentence in the whole movie. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, bro, you know how that Another goes. He didn't even talk. He was a he was a fanboy. I was like, are you going to introduce Stephen Strange to your fanboy husband? He got a line. I'm 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 mm. hoping his check is big. Got done dirty dialogue though. on that. Yeah, indeed. Should I at least indeed. give him a well, dap scene or something. <laughs> give him, give him. You something. know, Strange can't dap. You know he's going to go for like a handshake. The cape would do it. The cape would do the dap. Exactly. <laughs> Somebody's got to exactly. <laughs> I mean, dab that brother up. He's a fan. This has been so much fun. Welcome. Welcome to the the the, the pirate ship, to the mystery crate. We will do this again. But before we go, the MC University pod can be found as it sounds at MC University pod. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And on the socials, fellas, where can everybody find you? Twitter handles, gentlemen, Jake. Uh, at the Jake Christie. Jerome. Oh, my Twitter is uh, at Black Dragon Roll. And for me, at Anthony Canton underscore three. Outstanding, boys. Thank you for this. This has been fantastic. I am looking forward, as I know you guys are all looking forward to the next time we do this at a date to be determined in the very near future. We have a, a mystery guest for the mystery crate. And we'll see you all later. All right, Montgomery and Company, we have Soledad O'Brien this Ooh. week. All right. All right. Cinephile has Judd Apatow. I'm very Good proud cat. of this interview. We had 30 minutes with him. Honestly, if you haven't checked out Cinephile in a while, this is a good episode to get back into it. We had a great conversation with Judd Apatow. Tony, what do you got? I'm going to Hawaii. <laughs> All right. Mike, what do you got? Anything out of that about that? You're going to Oahu, and they got Waikiki Beach. It's, it's pretty, it's overrated. <laughs> Hmm. Brother, it's just overrated. Come on. I've walked to like Broly the Ale. entire Broly Waikiki Ale. Beach. Broly, he'll Me be too, fine. And I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, you going yeah. to Luau? Maybe. Wish Tony, how's have my? Have you ever gone to a Luau? I haven't. Anybody. Oh my god! I you haven't even gone to Hawaii. I to one. Oh. Do you, you listen to my song yet? I'll just go fuck myself. Okay. You go to Pearl Harbor? Sarah Marshall. Yeah, I've gone. Right. Yeah. How many times? Once. You ever watch a movie? Yeah. No, you didn't. Remember when Cuba Gooding Jr.'s on the turret? It's like you just saw the trailer. No, Ben Affleck's in it. You terrible just saw movie. the trailer. It's a terrible no, movie. No, I saw it in theaters like three hours long. Terrible movie. You just, you just. I saw the movie. I saw the movie. No, this is a Mina Kimes bed. You had, you haven't watched it. No, I did. I <laughs> saw, watched it. I saw you the haven't movie. Watched I watched promise. It. I promise. I see no. the movie. Describe what's a, what's it. the main yeah. storyline? <clears throat> if you dare say the war, you're wrong. <laughs> it's always about no, love. No, no, no. It's always about love. There's a love story Tony in the just middle hit of the war. Right when you asked him that, yeah. he went. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> it's the mozzarella stick I had earlier. I think yeah. there's a little yeah. grease on my throat. It's always yeah. about love, though. Yeah. But, yeah. What's the love triangle stupid. in this film? It's well, stupid. obviously, it's it's Ben Affleck. Right? Uh huh. Um, what's her, my that guy? Your guy? No, my guy's the other one. But but my girl. What's her name? Oh, your uh, girl. Uh, Naomi. What? No. Uh, you. I know. He knows it. Yeah. And we were talking about earlier. Her. Her. Two, right? And then you're talking about Kate Beckinsale, right? No, 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 no not her, not her. You're not, not talking about no, Kate no, 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 another one, another one. You should be talking about Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. No, no, I don't think so. Pretty sure you should be talking about Kate Beckinsale. Mm, feels like she a trap. was in that movie. Eh, feels like a trap. Though. It wasn't. Cuba Gooding Jr. is a cook. You didn't see it. But he's a <laughs> of cook. Course he's a cook. Of he's course, course he's a goddamn cook. Of he's course. a cook, right? Yeah, and, okay. and he surprises Thank everyone you. when he saves the day and shoots down all these. Uh, wow. 
All the these, Japanese, uh, fighter, Japanese pilots. fighter pilots. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I see the movie. It was Kate Beckinsale. Eh, I don't know about that. It was Kate Beckinsale. Mm, look was it up. Somebody look it up. <laughs> Where's Lewis? <laughs> look it up. This is, this is your up. first time in a while. Are you with Lewis it? on this? No, it's definitely it's, not my first time in a while. It is your first time. It's definitely not my first time in a while. Yeah. Definitely not. You staying in that Jennifer Aniston Adam Sandler resort? No, I wish though. Yeah, oh. the place is nice. You staying in the Forgetting Sarah Marshall resort? No, not either. Hmm. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Friends, a lot has changed over the years, personally and across our airwaves. But one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. You know, for me personally, I recently bought a few six-packs of Miller Lite for my housewarming party, because that's one thing that's changed for me. I moved into a new house, and I brought some friends over, and we enjoyed the best light beer. Because Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. Less filling and only 96 calories. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer.